Turn on that radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. This episode of Auto Dealer Live is brought to you by True Car. All right, man, we're live. It's Thursday. Thursday. What's up, brother? Hey, what's happening, Mr. Villa? Oh, man, not too much, Mr. Cribs. We're missing Tommy Elwell today. Yes, Let's go are. ahead and get the farts out of the blanket. He is not feeling well. He's here. He's working yes. and made a last-minute decision to uh, – He's in the sales room, said, man, guys, I'm just a little bit under the weather. Left early yesterday, and uh, he just wasn't feeling that well. So, it's you and I, man. It's like old times. Yeah, it is, man. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. And kudos to Tommy because, you know, he isn't feeling well, but he's in there in the sales room talking to dealers as we speak, Mm -hmm. and uh, we know that's not easy, so uh, uh, we'll miss him today. But, yeah, man, it's just like old times, and we got a great show in store. Yeah, we have a controversial topic. Absolutely. You know something, man? We might be missing Tommy today. But we are not going to be short on comments. I believe we're not going to be short on uh, people, dynamic guests. We have six people over two panels coming on to discuss this topic. Ooh, gross. I can't gross. do it like Jimmy Fallon, man. But it's, it's to <laughs> Ooh, gross, gross or not to gross, huh? Yeah, That's to gross question. or not to gross. You know, this is, a, this is a touchy subject because we're talking about... We're talking about dollars. Anytime you talk about dollars, it becomes a little more sensitive, a little more emotional. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about, you know, ethics as well. You know, is there a line? Do we cross it? What is the line? How much is too much? Is is there any amount right. that's too much? Some will say absolutely not. You know, it's the market, right? So uh, we know that uh, this is a hot topic for consumers. Look, if you're a consumer, you're t- tuned into the show. Um, this is going to be a great look behind the scenes, and you'll get a heartbeat or a feel for you know what dealers and salespeople are thinking. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah, you're right, Dave. It's going to be. It's, it is a hot topic. And you know, here's my question, and I guess you know, you and I can have a little dialogue here in the, in the beginning. Why does it have to be either or? You know, why does it gross or no gross? And that's. And I'm not sure that anybody says, hey, you know what? Don't make any money. Give it away. Although I've got a client of mine that uh, sent me a message has zero to do with this show originally, but everything to do with it once I saw the message. And he was closing this month out. We had a great month with him. And he asked me, it's, it's, a, it's a Hyundai store. And he was uh, shooting for you know, um, top place in his region. And he was number two a couple of weeks ago. Say, hey, man, we're doing a great, man, our month. You guys are killing it for us. He goes, we're three behind number one, and we're pushing for number two. Well, the last day of the month, I sent him a text. I said, hey, how, did you fi- how are you finishing? He goes, it looks like we're going to be number two. He said, but I'll tell you what, man. He said, I talked to the number one store, and he said they are giving away vehicles at $500 under invoice. Mm-hmm. He said they're going to lose $100,000 this right. month to hit number one. He said, we're at $2,400 PVRs. So here's my question, man. Would you rather be number two, maybe eight vehicles behind at $2,400 a copy or number one and you lost a hundred grand? I, you know, I guess there's some well, scenario. Uh, you well, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so gross yeah, has no, a lot absolutely. to do with it. Absolutely. I think in that case, I would choose number two for that particular month. But, um, you know, there, there's definitely something to be said for volume and owning the market and owning the market share. And, you know, is, and, 
if you can stay there because you know just because maybe you were at that particular level you know this month it, it may be something different next month but the bottom line is yeah you know it's funny how you mentioned earlier it, why is it one or the other you know yeah. why is it either you're for gross or you're not for gross in a sense um, that's going to be a question that I have today. Like, you know, for those who think that we should cap it, like, where is that cap? Like, is it at two grand, three grand, you know, and what's the difference between 1999 and $2,100? I mean, do you pass a magical, you know, point and, uh, what's well, that all like, about? Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I think you're going to be hard pressed. I mean, I know you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody, anyone. I don't care if you're out there on Facebook or not. Now we get a little bold behind the words. Sometimes because, you sure. know, we, we, we don't have to answer the questions back and forth. And I think that you get a little bold where you could take more of a hardline stance. But the truth is, I don't think anybody is going to say, hey, it's not cool to make money. I think one of the, the topics of discussion that kind of prompted this possibly was, you know, um, is there a place where we're maybe taking advantage of somebody? You know, is that going to hurt a customer experience down the road or a previous, you know, a repeat customer? But but I guess where I'm going, so I don't think you have anybody say, hey, no money, no, you know, right. hey, no gross. Gross is right. a bad thing. But, but and I always, maybe I'm the guy who always brings this part up with no matter what we're talking about, but this is how I see it sometimes. I always end up, not across the boards so don't throw darts at me if you if you think I'm talking about you if you're on one side of the camp or the other but I always look at like talent level or work level or because it seems like it always gets down to the place where the ones who who are or let's say on the gross side for a second somebody will say something like ah you know man yeah you know I, I made this in much money and we, what we need to do show the customer oh hey I'm, I'm making too much money on you so let me give some back to you and then you have somebody go oh that's retarded and that's ridiculous and it always makes me wonder why is that ridiculous you know if you can make money on one maybe you're not making a practice of it and then why does that person think it's ridiculous is it because they can't do it is it because you know what I'm saying it oh, always yeah. makes me yeah. come back to that question is it like a is it like a a jealousy thing is it like you know to a yeah. degree i get the fact that nobody wants to burn a customer but i'm just anxious to hear that dialogue i want to hear that discussion and I'm, i want to get beyond the initial surface level of it i want someone to stand maybe to answer that question and really have some solid reasoning behind it i'm not sure if we have enough time to yeah make that i'm not sure either and you know i'm sure we're <laughs> going to hear from uh sales and sales managers alike but you know one of the questions that i have as a you know, as an employee, as someone who's out there um, working deals, whether you're a desk manager, a salesperson, or whatnot, do you do you feel like you have a responsibility to the dealer who's invested a lot of dollars and who has employed you to make that dealer a profit? You know, there is a thing called manufacturer suggested retail price, and in my opinion, that's what the manufacturer suggests that we sell it for. Mm -hmm. So anything under that, to me, is somewhat of a privilege for. A buyer. Now, I may get some different feedback there, but I think, you know, as employees, we have a responsibility to the company to yeah. keep them profitable. Yeah, Lou, we have a couple of minutes before we go to break. Maybe we can get Jenna to put up a couple of the comments uh, that are on Facebook. I see one here, but I can't read it all. But uh, maybe we can get that up a little bit so that we can um, just read a couple of these that have kind of started some of this conversation. We'll just start to come, kind of get the kindling of the fodder going here. And again, keep in mind, guys, listen, the reason we're talking about this now, we want to take this conversation maybe a little deeper today rather than, hey, you know, I don't think anybody, how about this? No one says burn a customer, screw a customer. I want to burn and never do business with anybody again. And I don't think anybody's saying, I don't want to make any money. I want to lose money and so on and so forth. So let's meet in the middle somewhere there. 
Keith Shetterly said, anyone on this thread ever have a review from a customer that said the dealership made too much money? Great question. That's a good question for you. I, I, that dialogue came up yesterday. Yeah. So basically, we always tout, okay? A lot of the people that come on here say things, and they say it boldly, no matter what the topic. If you want to keep customers five years from now, if you want to be in business down the road, hey, if you want to stay up with with what what, what customers really care about, in my in you know other than some of the surveys obviously that that are out there, um, that you know that in general no customer in uh -huh. any industry wants to be screwed over. What customers going man that dealership just made too much money on me and I demand money back? Well, Does well, that happen? I would tell you what most uh, salespeople or people who are employed by the dealership would say. They would say that customer who leaves that or says that is the very customer that they made the least amount on or lost money on because we all know in the business as an as a as a and I'm not going to say this is every single case, but mm -hmm. for the most part, uh, you will get the same answer from most dealers and salespeople and, 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 and managers is that the people who pay a little bit more profit are the happiest customers. And the <laughs> ones who we wind up losing money on are still the ones who believe that we made a fortune, they hate us, all those things. So that that makes it a little bit more controversial, a little more, more challenging when it comes to the, the profit yeah. game. Yeah, absolutely. We got to go to commercial break here in just a second. I know this. We do have uh, multiple screens in front of us. We're constantly shifting up the communication aspects and different things here so that we know because Facebook's weighing in heavily too. But on Twitter, we know we're getting tweets. Lou, make sure we get some tweets up as well. Maybe put the scroll up or something that can show us. I don't see who's uh, other than my phone. But Arnold, I know, tweeted in, said, yes, David, I'm sure there are reviews. Listen, we want your feedback. We're going to open up the phone lines today on the bottom left corner of your screen, 813-574-1820. Listen, call in. We have three people that are taking calls today, and we're going to be sure to try to get every call that comes in. We sh we're going to be overlapped, and uh, we do have two panels. And right after, the next up, right after this short commercial break, is going to be our panel number one of, ooh, the gross show. <laughs> the, the gross, gross show. show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Chip Perry. The pledge was and is an action plan designed to address head-on the concerns that many of you told me about right after I took this job. Thus far, our dealer pledge has been aimed at fixing the major pain points that you told us about related to our product, our customer service, and our consumer advertising. I'd like to reiterate that our dealer pledge is our ongoing commitment to you, our dealer customers, and we will continue to work hard to improve our service to you. Hey, Jason Rice from Lot Pop. Lot Pop is a new and used car consultant firm. We do weekly calls with our dealers, but we track out and trend out hundreds of charts looking at their inventory management tool and marketing on third-party sites. We've taken the top 25 metrics and created our own lot score for our dealerships, which will allow us to break our inventory down into the current status of our inventory, the marketing of our inventory, the stocking of our inventory, and ROI. We're making that same scoring system available to all dealerships, clients or not. This is a great system for dealership dealer groups also to compare their dealerships week after week week and how their inventory scoring out to their goals and the best practices. Introductory price of $195 a month, no contracts. Check out more information at lotpop.com, click on lot score, get a demo, sign up for a demo, or call us at 844-LOTPOP4. Thanks. Is this helping you sell cars today? Does the dealership look like it's being effectively managed? So why does this happen? The problem is managers that don't really know how to manage and training that isn't really training. Think about this. Most management teams focus almost all their attention on only what's happening on the lot and in the showroom. 
In other words, the majority of our manager's time and effort is focused on a very limited pool of opportunities. The most successful dealers and management teams recognize that there are exponentially more opportunities happening outside the showroom that need to be converted. They execute an effective training strategy and they manage a few simple yet highly effective processes. The following video demonstrates what it looks like when it all comes together. You'll feel the energy of managers and salespeople making things happen versus waiting for them to happen. There is the captain. That's how we do it. <laughs> and look at this. Salespeople everywhere on the phones. Oh, look at that book. What's that book? I love that book. Perfect. Thank you. Look at that. Nothing but salespeople on the phones making it happen. Teach your managers how to do their jobs and provide them with the tools to get the job done. We help the best dealers in the industry get what they want better, faster, and smarter. When waiting isn't working, contact us. All right, we're back, guys. We're going to go right into our first panel here. The next up is panel number one. But just a really quick, Kevin Fry throwing out a comment that I'd rather be number one in uh, gross, number one in profit, than number one in volume. Um, then we have uh, uh, Jason Rice that says it doesn't have to be a choice. You can have both. So the comments are weighing in, and we have on the show today, we have Ivan Velasquez calling in from Mexico. He's a pre-owned manager at Salona Volkswagen. We have James Klaus, former general sales manager at Bozeman Ford, now with dealer teamwork. We have Dave Sobowski, new car sales manager at Melgrada Chevrolet. Gentlemen on panel one, thanks for joining us today for the gross show. Looking forward to your feedback, and we're going to jump right in with my boy, D.C., yeah, let's go to David Sobalski. You know, we, as you know, we inter, uh, opened up the show talking about this uh, topic of gross. And it seems that from our feedback on Facebook and Twitter that some seem to side uh, in one area and some seem to side in another. What is your take on gross? Is there a limit? Should there be a limit on gross or is it an open market? And, hey, let's make as much as we can when it comes to profit. David. Hey, by the way, Dave, before you answer that, Dave, we got we to address him by his old name. His old nickname was Big Dog. Big Dog. Which I guess stood for Big Gross. Uh-oh. Well, I think I already <laughs> know that foreshadows his opinion, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot better looking. It had a lot, a lot of hair back then. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Uh, first of all, just to clear up a couple things, everybody that's been out there talking about, you know, they're Big Gross and they're Big Gross, I want to meet these guys because a lot of times I'm I, in today's business – I just don't see it as much as we used to. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for earning as much money as possible. That's why I got in this business, because there's endless amount of money to be made. Uh, to me anymore, I just think it's volume. Uh, and, and once again, I'm not afraid. And I, I don't think profit is a dirty word, but I also I just look around, and I, I see what's going on out there. And, you know, I, I'm always going to go back to the transparency, what's going on on the Internet out there. My question would be, and I would love to have somebody explain this to me, how are you able to gross a, a, a client, consumer, whatever you call it, based upon your advertising that you're doing out there? Uh, Internet-wise, you've got over 90% of your of consumers online shopping. I, I don't see how people are showing up in dealerships for a high-priced vehicle unless you're selling something high-line and, and you're able to present a high number. 
I, I'm just not having having a big issue with that right now. Okay, so and, and that makes that makes a lot of sense. And you you aren't alone, Dave, in in your comments. And and again, I love the name Big Gross. I think that you are right. Obviously, we are. Obviously, we're in a more transparent uh, market today in the automotive industry. Um, so let's 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 follow that up. Go to James Klaus and James. You can comment on on Dave's initial statement there. But let me throw this question in because I think some of the conversation as well, James, went the direction of. Um, and I'm not going to use what some people used and maybe how they went more opinion based and said dishonesty versus, you know, not and so forth. I mean, no one should be dishonest where you where you purposely hurt somebody. But let's look at, you know, a, a market where, uh, you know, where, um, you know, maybe somebody could be taught or somebody can be educated on how, hey, I can make a little more profit, you know, by by taking some measures versus not. I know that's some of the discussion. And is is it wrong? And in a reason, in the answer to that, I may be based on the fact that we have knowledge. And then my question would follow up to follow up to that. If it's yes, James, if that's wrong, wouldn't the market itself, you know, kind of push that person out? And if it doesn't, hey, let them make more money. I mean, so both sides of the coin, maybe address that, James, and then uh, and then weigh in with your opening statement as well. You with J- us, James? James Claus, you with us? You with us? I got to unmute my phone. I apologize. Okay. There you no go. problem. Did you I get my question? Your, yeah, I got your question. Okay. I appreciate you guys having me on. First thing first, there's absolutely nothing wrong with making gross. There's absolutely nothing wrong with making gross. Yes, to David's point, you have to make sure that your desk managers, that your salespeople know what you are doing online and through any forms of marketing to make sure that that matches so we don't give a bad customer experience, i.e., if you're showing a $199 focus lease on the Internet and a customer comes in on that focus lease, don't pencil them at $279. It doesn't make any sense. Now, that's where greed becomes stupidity. Pencil them at $199. Make sure your marketing matches up. But I have no issue at all with trying to make money on a pencil, with trying to under-allow on a trade. We're in the car business. We're here to make sure that we can make a profit for our dealer. That is our responsibility. And as long as the customer experience does not lose anything throughout that process, as long as it's transparent, as long as it's honest, as long as it's an easy process for the customer, there's nothing wrong for asking for the money. But if you're going to ask for all the money, make sure you give a superior customer experience. It's not that difficult. James, James, let's play devil's advocate and say you get that same customer on that 199 lease. But let's say it's a customer that came in on a different car or maybe on a pre-owned car or, you know, we need to flip them to a lease because of the budget. Do you pencil that same customer now that you clearly see an opportunity to pencil them at 279? Do you do that or do you stick to the 199 that you know is out there even though they haven't seen it? David, let me ask you a question. Where's your smartphone right now? Um, it's right behind me, normally in my hand, but it's it's on the charger. Yeah, absolutely. Could you, could you find where what my store is selling a, or leasing a Focus for on your phone? A- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so it, again, it doesn't matter if you're switching the customer back. You've got to be make sure that your marketing message matches what your desk managers, what your salespeople, et cetera, are doing. So in that scenario, the price of that focus lease is one ninety nine. It's 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 not what's right. It's not what's wrong. It's just the way it is. It's, it's that's your dealership. That's your reputation. And 
to try to do that, yes, I would actually actually change it, and I would say that would be wrong because that's just you're okay. not doing what you're advertising. Yeah, you're that's not that's doing a great what answer. You say your dealership stands for. Let me let me thank you, James. Let me go to Ivan real quick. Ivan Ed Brooks on Twitter, and I'm not sure if you know Ed or not, but he, a tweet came up here, and I got to ask you a question, maybe related to his latest tweet. He said, "In the real world, Ed says this." MSRP full price is fair price is just a pipe dream supply and demand rules. So here's my question. I, and so I'll go to Ivan on this. Ivan, I think I understand what he's saying and, and maybe factually it's right. Meaning like, Hey, supply and demand rules. And what, what that means in, in cribs, I would say is, you know, if a customer knows, then they have a choice to buy or not buy from you supply demand. Right. But here's my question. If, does that mean I don't try? Because Ed's saying that, does that take away my ability, Ivan, to go, hey, you know what? I'm just, you know, I'm just, I, I just, I want to do what James said, and I want to I want to try to make a little money on this. I'm having a great customer experience. Ivan, weigh in on that. Because maybe supply and demand rules as a whole, does that eliminate the ability to try to do better? Ivan, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, we can yes. hear you. No, I, I, I can barely hear you. Can, can you ask me a question again, please? Yeah. I can barely hear you. Yeah, no, no problem. It, it, well, and I was just reading a tweet that some came in that said that um, they were referring to MSRP. It was Ed Brooks, and he said that um, – that uh, he, he said that uh, – put the tweet back up there if you would, guys. He said – Ed Brooks said that um, that's, that's the scenario, but then in a real-world supply and demand – rules. So what he was basically saying is, you know, MSRP's fair price is full price and yes, 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 but that's not reality. So my question was based on the fact that that may not be the case if a customer knows and brings it up and is shopping you and debating going back and forth, does that omit the right for you to try? For you to try to be better, make more, you know, it, 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 I guess I'm trying to find out just because that may be a true statement, does that eliminate me from trying to make more money. Well, first of all, I want to, I want to, I want to say, I want to tell you guys, uh, I, I totally, totally agree with what you said. There's nothing wrong with trying to make, uh, making rules for the store. But like James said, if, if you, like if you advertise, if you market the price, and if you market the car with a price, you have to speak to it. Then you have to look at some other factors that come when you're trying to sell a car. For instance, if you have if you have a, a car in your lot and it's the only one around, there's nothing wrong with trying to make a little bit more of the of, of the actual cash value or or or, the, or, or, or what what is the, the value of the market right now. Um, I don't see it wrong at all. It's just dependent on the demand of the car. You know, if you have a truck, for instance, like it, it's hard to it's hard to find. There's nothing wrong with trying to make money. I mean, probably that that deal can save you the amount. I don't know, but I, I don't see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, you mentioned something too, Ivan, and, and uh, uh, um, I'll let David Sabowski kind of weigh in on this. Ivan, uh, yesterday in one of the comments, I really liked it. You you discussed how when you came to the store. You um, you focused on taking the customer experience and really trying to move the store forward and, and change reputation and really doing a good job. But in the process, you said that inevitably, Ivan, you said your gross went up. Now your gross is higher than it ever ever was. And so you, you, you shifted your focus to customer service and then the gross went up. So customer service, Dave, 
from what Ivan's saying, doesn't mean gross goes down. And, and, and that's actually my experience in sales. You know, um, if you serve the customer, they don't mind paying more because they don't even, they don't really even look at that. When value exceeds the price, price isn't an issue necessarily. Dave, what do you think about that? Uh, no, I definitely agree 100%. You know, and it really, you know, when it comes to pricing and, and how you're presenting your, your 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 pricing, it's all about the, the culture within the dealership, and it all has to do with a, that training, once again, that I always like to go to, and, and making sure that your guys are trained proper to understand, you know, the price concept of what it is. Then they take the selling experience. They give them the wow factor. I mean, the customer's coming onto the lot. They've done all their online research. They're there now to, to take a look at the car to make sure what it's all cracked up to be. Two things happen. They either don't like the car or they don't like the salesperson. We control that part there. A lot of times you do all those little things when it comes to a salesperson showing them the car, giving them that wow experience. You know, they will pay more. I, I mean, I, we've always known that. My biggest thing is, is when it comes to gross profit is that where does it really start at? It starts with acquisition. And you've got to have used car managers out there that understand this business and taking them in as low as possible and taking into account, like, reconditioning costs, uh, you know, transportation, uh, and then that also dirty word pack. I mean, you know, you're, you're putting so much of a pack on there that you're not paying your salespeople on. Your salespeople are going for the high-end gross, I just, I don't know, I just have a little bit of an issue with understanding where the real, real gross is. The one thing that I will say that James says, and i got to hand it to you, James, uh, you the man, very ethical, as crazy as it sounds, guys, it's illegal to charge somebody more for a car than, than you have it advertised online. You go to jail for that, and that's something I never want to do. Yeah, I think that's a great point, David. And um, I'm going to reference Kevin Fry, you know, and then I'll go to James again. But uh, Kevin Fry tweeted out the fact that, hey, OEMs are pushing for volume because it helps them. They don't really care about our gross. They say make it on the back end. Obviously, they have an agenda, which is distributing cars, as many as they can. So um, let's go to James and uh, talk about the fact that, you know, oftentimes we do take really tight deals on new cars because we know we can replace them. We're going to make a little on the back. But more specifically, let's talk about that new car deal that's a minimal minimal deal or a loser deal that we have a trade-in on. Now, let's talk about the ethicalness of holding back on the trade. I mean, if you've appraised a trade for thirteen grand and you offer the uh, trade-in allowance at eleven grand to the customer, does that make it right or wrong, James? That's a very good question. I have no issue with UAing trades. I UAed every trade I did on the desk pretty much for the last eight years of my life before I joined dealer teamwork. Um, as a whole, all I'm trying to do is serve my dealer. Because when you ask that question, it's yes, I'm giving the best customer experience possible. But at the same time, I need to be responsible for making the most profit per copy for my dealer. So UAing $500, $1,000, $1,500 on trade ins on the first pencil when you're not a part of a best price store, I was not a part of a best price store, is 100% fine. Because all you're trying to do is acquire the car for a good price. And so I have no issues with UAing the trade. I have no <clears> issues with trying to hit stair steps and maybe going to skinnier deals earlier in the month. But why not try? And, again, it all goes back to your process. It all goes back to the customer experience. If they're having a great process and you give them a really solid first pencil and you UA a trade, 
the experience is still good because you're going through the first step of negotiations. It's your first pencil. And a lot of times you have to have somewhere to go after that. So with the UAing of a trade and the fact that we're all advertising our new vehicles at invoice or below to get started in the first place is the only place to start. So UAing a trade was part of my process. It was how I trained my other desk managers on their process. It was part of our normal process. James, you know, so Ivan, James, you know, what you're talking about too, and you mentioned, I know, in one of the comments yesterday, what about those that would have issue or, or take issue maybe with the fact that you change kind of your strategy midstream you know i mean and and i'm not saying i do but i'm saying somebody's you're changing it based on so really you're kind of right in the middle of maybe what some of this discussion back and forth is really about you know because you're you are saying hey you know i mean there's times i need to make more money on this there's and so and there's tweets there's tweets coming in like crazy right now Uh, william adams says uh you think other retail giants are having a discussion about gross um, if we move the uh, teleprompter up, Jared McCreevy is uh, on here weighing in. We'll get to some of these in a second. But some of the comments that are coming in are, are I wish we had more time, some time to delve into all of these. But um, Ivan, you know, these, these uh, other companies, these retail giants, a lot of times they're fixed prices. So that's what people would argue. They're fixed price. You know, there's no, there's no negotiation. There's no adjustment. You know, at you a profitable margin, might I, might I That's add. what I'm going to – that's it. So you, in, in, that's where I was kind of going back, Ivan, to my earlier question when I said, shouldn't the market, instead of all, everybody jumping on someone, saying, oh, you know what, you're going to sc- screw your customer over, you're going to tick people off – Shouldn't the market dictate if somebody has a problem with it? Meaning if I go to Walmart and I think Walmart's too high, then I'm going to go to Target. If I think Target's too high, then I'm going to go to Kmart or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. the market dictate that so I, get the, so I get the message in my boardroom and lower the prices. The car business is this industry where there still is this negotiation because it's, that's the industry, man. It's not mm-hmm. like a, people aren't in the car dealership every week like they are buying toilet paper from Walmart. Ivan, man, we got, we got a couple of minutes. I'm going to give Ivan... The, the, uh, the chance here to answer that question, and then we're going to give James and Dave a chance to give their closing uh, few-minute remarks there. Ivan, go ahead, sir. Okay. David, let me ask you a question, all right? <clears throat> okay. Nowadays, yes. nowadays, how would you sell a car? I mean, do you sell on price or do you sell on value? That, that's, that's an issue. You know, the... the Time's changing, you know, the industry, the, the car industry, it's changing so much, but we have to be really transparency, you know, we have to bring, I mean, a lot of value to the, to the deal, and then we have to be total transparent with what, what we are offering to the, to the customer. Now, let's talk a bit, let's talk a, a, a little bit about, you know, we, we're trying, we're talking about money, we're talking about roles, we're talking about increasing profit for the store. That's what, that's our function. We, we are here to, to increase the, mo- the money for the store, and we're here to make money. That's right, that's a fact. But let me go back two years when I came to this store. There was another store in town. This is a very small town where I live. There were two world driving stores. Ours was like two years or probably close to the to three years in the market. So we couldn't sell anything. Why? Because the old, I mean, the, the guys that were in, in management, they were trying to make growth. They were trying to make money on the deal. But, um, I mean, it, it's just like in baseball, uh, David. It's just like in baseball, my friend. You, you're, you don't win games just hitting home runs. You have to get in base and then... In, in this business, you have to get customers to your store. You have to take care of them, 
and then try to make the money. But I'm, I'm trying to say you build the business first and then you build the money. So you, you make business and then you make money. I don't know if I'm making myself yeah. clear, but this no, is what I try to do. That, that's what I try to do at the, at the beginning. Let's first get people to our store, take care of them. I don't care how much money. Of course, we were, we were not losing money on the deal. But what I'm trying to do is get as, as many people as I can to the store, take care of them, and then try to make money. So yeah. we, we, we went low on growth, but we went high in volume, and that's how we, win, we started winning market share. Then... By the process of selling, you got to make sure that the, all the sales representatives in the store know how to handle the customer, know how to handle the sales. So you can bring value not just to the car. You can bring value to the process of selling a car. Yeah. Then you will have to then you will vote for the money, you know? That's good. That's good. James, we'll give you, give you and Dave closing remarks. James, Klaus, if you can uh, go ahead and give us your a couple-minute wrap-up, sir. You got it. You got it. So, so to summarize, you know, I pretty much have two major points. One, the customer wants one thing. It's not difficult. The customer wants an easy, honest, transparent experience. Easy, honest, and transparent. Simple. If you give the customer that, you can ask for the money. Ask for the money. Ask for the money. It ain't going to hurt you none to ask for the money. Secondly, the best salesperson I ever had. This guy was incredible. Had the highest gross in my store that I'd ever seen. Had the most cars sold year after year after year. And had the highest CSI. You know why? Because his customers liked him and he had an easy, honest, transparent experience. He had the most repeats, the most referrals. Because let's remember, if you give a good experience, what happens? You get more repeats, you get more referrals. And we all know that repeats and referrals close at a higher rate, they close quicker, and what do they close with more? They close with more gross, and there's nothing wrong with gross. I'm a dealer. I'm hiring That's James. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, hi- I'm hiring James. I'm hiring I'm a dealer. James, I don't too, he, because he's I... got green behind him, too. See, on the wall, it looks green to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the same page. And um, Dave Sabowski. Dave Sabowski, go ahead and and give us your closing comments, please. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on once again. Uh, just to recap, I mean, just some great stuff. I mean, it's all about honesty and transparency anymore. You know, when you're able to to, to convey that to your consumer uh, by being upfront with them, by putting your prices out online that are fair prices that bring them into the store. I don't know. I just see more volume down the line. My philosophy has been this. If you think that, that you're going to knock their heads off by throwing them into a making three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 on a car deal, which is not wrong, by the way, but then slamming them into a 72-month payment, you've got almost zero chance to see that consumer ever again. First of all, they eventually find out that they pay too much when they're going to trade it in somewhere else, and I just, I just feel that you have no chance. I would rather hit more singles doubles and triples and try to swing for the fence every time trust me i'll have a heck of a lot better battery average than mr high gross <laughs> all right guys thank you so much ivan james and david man what an incredible panel for our first panel here you guys tore it up and i want to thank you guys for hanging out with us and we've got more gross man coming your way in just a second we do have a caller and we want to take this caller between uh before our second commercial break and before our second panel are we ready guys Okay, we have Tony Provost from Nissan Born. Tony, how you doing? Are we on? Tony Provost, are you on, sir? Hey, Tony, can you hear us? Tony, are you on? Okay, so thank you. Okay. If, if, we get, if you get him back on, just uh, they had it up in front of us. I guess Tony Provost um, called in from Nissan Born. He said he wanted to share 
that he thinks incentives are going to make gross blow up over the next few months. So, Tony, if you're out there, man. Can I comment on that? Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, Tony, I mean, still call in. Give us your point of view, obviously, if you can get back through. Um, you know, I do agree that we're going to see an increase in um, incentives over the next few months and the rest of the year because I think that we have kind of sort of, not to be a Debbie Downer, but I think that we have hit a plateau in the car business because we're at the top of that wave and I, I can see it uh, slowly drifting just a little. Um, it, it's funny because I've always kind of noticed that manufacturers, I don't know if they have a crystal ball or what, but it seems like they know before the market demand is really there. And I'm sure they spend a lot of money researching that, which is probably has something to do with it. But you notice um, incentives start to drop prior to these big waves. And we have had an unusually lower amount of incentive money for a while now. And now it has really come back in recent months. Um, and I think we're going to see a continuance of that through the year. So I think, I think Tony's right on that. But I don't necessarily think that that's going to blow up grosses because yeah. it really gets passed on to the consumer ultimately. I mean, it may help us in some situations, but I don't think you're going to see a, an overall. Uh, Tony, are we on now? Tony? Tony hey, Provost? Yep, I'm here. Hey, I'm Tony, here. you got a, you got a minute, man, but we if you, thank you for calling in. Go ahead and share. We shared your basic uh, okay. concept. Real, real quick, here's the deal. Okay, just from a Nissan perspective, and I'll make it real quick for you guys, and like it was with GM for about three or four months, when these guys were giving back 20%, off MSRP, were guys charging MSRP minus 20%? Absolutely, across the board. Did the people pay too much? They didn't. See, what the, the key is you got to sell in the market you're in. you got to understand your market. We're at a 37-year high. 37-year high on inventories. The next five months, you're going to see more incentives than you've ever seen. So does that mean people are going to give the cars away or they're going to make the money? Hmm. Every single situation stands on its own, and it all comes down to the trades. Okay, the trades are always going to play the key. And then when you guys are buying cars, you, you, your gross is made in the buy. And, you, and I agree with everything what people say, transparency, being nice to your customers, CSI. If we didn't do it, we wouldn't be in business. So everyone's on the same program. But what it is is it becomes a culture. When you start making money and your stores are busy, you make a lot more money. It's all about momentum. Our business has always been that way. And if you're nice to people and you're good to your employees and the people that have really good employees that have been with them for a long time, they're always making the money. All right. And the CSI is, is right across the board is great. And, and people are making money. And some deals you take are garbage deals because somebody from 30 miles away says this is the way it's going to be. You take the deal. You right. want the customer. Well, Tony, thank so you so much. That's the deal. Thank you so yeah, much, man. I'm going I'm to bring that up to our next panel. Thank you so much, man, for calling in and listening. And uh, right. great insight there. Thank, thank you, brother. Great was, to talk to you. That was Tony Provost with Nissan of Burn. Thank you, Jason Rice, for correcting on how that's pronounced. I hope you're right, Jason. All right, so we're going to go into panel two. The next up, we have Rob Terramino. He is the Internet Manager at Crown Nissan. It's been a little while since we had Rob on, and uh, he is uh, at uh, Internet Manager at Crown Nissan in St. Pete, Florida. We have Scott Klein, Corporate Sales Trainer at Automotive Associates of Atlanta in the great state of Georgia. And then we have Heather Allrad. She's representing the females. We didn't have a lot of women comment. We had a lot uh, comment off the record, but Heather commented right. on the record. And I am so happy she agreed to come on. She um, has been in uh, car, the car business for a while, and she's now currently the re uh, retail performance um, uh, at Zemont Automotive uh, at, Auto, at Cardinale Group. Thank you guys for coming on. And, uh, Scott, I'm going to go right to you. You've heard the initial conversation. You weighed in. Scott Klein uh, yesterday and the day before on this 
conversation. Uh, somebody, if you guys would, somebody's got uh, uh, their speakerphone on. If you could mute that as feeding back. But, Scott, you, um, over the last a couple of days, have weighed in pretty heavily. And uh, um, I, I, you, you've heard the, the initial conversations. I'm going to let you kick it off with just whatever you want to say, Scott Klein. Thank you for being on. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I don't know. Maybe you got me confused with somebody because I, I remember the thread, but I actually only made one comment on it. And, it was just that profound. I didn't see the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I didn't see the other one that, you were, that everybody was talking about that got deleted. So I, I really missed a big part of the, the meat and potatoes of what was, of what was talked about. So I'm just going to give you my two cents okay. on the little things that I've heard and, on, and what I feel about gross and making gross. Um, when I first got in the business back in the mid-'80s, we were selling, I was selling Hondas. And the, the most expensive Honda was $15,000, and they had $4,000 addendum stickers on those things, and people were paying it. So, you know, back then they were making a ton of money on a, on a you know, $15,000 car, and, of course, they would hold back on the trade. And, you know, back in the mid-'80s, I mean, we were making six, seven pounds around on a new car. Mm-hmm. Obviously things have changed. 2016 versus 1986, it's a whole different ball game, and you can't today is what you put back there so i think what this really boils down to because i think everybody will agree i think everybody that's on this speed agrees there's nothing wrong with making money we're in business to make money gross isn't a bad word and when it comes to you know making profit and staying in business you got to make what you can make because hey you're going to have some deals where you lose money you're going to have some deals where you make a hundred bucks so when it comes to making gross and making money, you got to do it. You got to do it ethically. Um, but I think that's really what this comes down to. I think what it comes down to, it's not so much making gross as it is to ethics. It's, it's gross versus ethics. If you go out and you pencil a deal at MSRP and you hold back on the trade, I think everybody would agree. It doesn't matter if there's $10,000 a markup in the, uh, in the Mercedes or whatever, you know, hey, that's, that's MSRP. Everybody expects that that's what you're going to pay. But the thing is, when it comes to ethics, if you're, if you're you know, playing smoke and mirrors games and, and trying to get away with something or maybe selling a used car that's got some problems and, you know, you made a big growth on it because, hey, it's got issues, that's not right. Okay. And I think the comment, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, well, the comment you made, I thought was a great comment, but it was somewhat controversial, I think, with some people because was it you that said if we make X amount and the customer overpaid, maybe go back to them and say, hey, here's the money back? Was that your comment, something similar to that? Yeah, that was. Yeah. Do you remember that comment? When, yeah. What should we yeah. do? Go, hey, I'm back yeah, to I, the customer. I think I said, I, yeah, because really, this to me, this conversation is uh, – I was really surprised that it got as heated as it did because, hey, again, if you pencil a deal at list or addendum, whatever you start your deals at, and you hold back on the trade and you make six pounds on it, and, and are you supposed to go, oh, my, we made too much money, Mr. Customer. I tell you what, we've sold this car for, you know, for $3,000 less. I tell you what, here's three grand back. Who is going to do that? Nobody. Yeah, you're right. And so that was my initial question, Dave, when we were, t- we were talking about this as well. One of the things yeah. that I really wanted to delve into, mm-hmm. and we agreed that, you know, is it why does somebody get so aggravated at that, especially if they're in the car business? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And, you know, I think that, uh, and maybe this is what I'm taking from Scott as well, is that 
there, there's not necessarily a number limit to the gross that's acceptable. In other words, we can make as much as we can. The, the caveat, if you will, is that are we doing it in an ethical manner? So what's unethical? I guess and that's, that, a good that's the next question. What's unethical? That's the next question. You know, let me ask this, Heather. What's unethical? So, okay. So if we do, we all seem to agree, or nobody seems to want to disagree with. It's okay to make money, and if you are given a great experience, and if you set the deal up. So, Heather, is it is it that nobody knows? Maybe the art of the deal. No one knows the art of what Scott's talking about, or there maybe that's not being trained as much or emphasized as much, Heather. So that maybe, you know, you know, what I'm saying. So what's what's eth- I mean, ethical, unethical to me would be like like lying, I guess, or I, yeah, stealing. I, I have some great examples, but we'll go to Heather first to get her, her Heather, thoughts. I don't know, if, Heather. You 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 up for that question? I am. I am. And uh, this is something that I would consider um, myself as special. This is one of my specialties. This is something I understand through and through. I am very, very good at assessing a deal or a sales team and looking for gross opportunities, not just one deal at a time and dealing with the public. But unethical is something that's going to keep the customer out of the market. Um, I know that's not always popular, but if you have a way to help somebody and sell a car and make money and make sure they're in a position to come back and buy another car three, four, five, six years down the road, that's what you want. Because I'm sure this has been discussed because it's a truth within, you know, anyone that's been in the car business and is a professional for a really long time. You're always going to have higher uh, customer retention referrals, higher customer CSI, higher, uh, you know, public reviews now. And the clients are going to be happier on the ones that you make the most money on. But that doesn't mean... You know, barium and negative equity, throw a bunch of back-end products that probably the customer really doesn't understand and finance them for 100 uh, months. I think that's unethical. Heather, let me ask you this, um, and that's a great example. And But what about that dealer who's watching and says, you know what, um, in this particular case, it's the only way that this deal will work is if I – you know, parry all that negative equity and finance them forever. And the odds are I'm not going to get another opportunity with this customer anyway. Um, Why would I not sell them a car that they're happy and grateful to receive, even though those conditions exist? I I would never do a hundred month finance or a 96 month finance. Um, They were not allowed at the dealership that I was at for 10 years. It just, it's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. It's just a, it's, it's not about one more car when you're talking about ethics. Now, going back into profit, there's a lot of things that people can do to increase their gross profit. And I don't know if you guys have touched on that or not, but, uh, you know, I feel like that's when you get into the art of the deal. And that's where you can get some training and um, some practice and some confidence with uh, your salespeople and, um, you know, get them more confident in the process early on. They take control of the deal early so on. That's one of the questions, and, though, Heather, that I have, too, I, I've always had. And I, without, um, you know, because I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, you're talking aftermarket, you're talking a lot of add-ons and things of that nature. So my question would be those are available, obviously, to all dealers as well. So aren't, isn't it really the same thing, meaning that is it just because, the, 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 in other words, 
if you could make money on all of those add add-ons and and all in this a little of this over here and a little of that over there, where really is the difference? Because all dealers can do that. So why would it be any different than making money on the car itself? You know, or the you know what right? I'm yeah. Your question is basically, you know, what if you made you know two grand on the front end, which might mm -hmm. be an acceptable level, right. but then you go into finance and they purchase everything and they sign up on a higher rate, and all of a sudden instead of a two grand deal, you got a six grand deal, four what if grand I got, in the back. What if I feel like as a customer I got ripped off on the back end, you know, or the front end? You know, in other words, so I'm not I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying that to me, I've always wondered what's the difference. In, in, you know, unless you had something that no one else had, you know, unless you were able to offer something. Where you can truly say, I have this amazing product that no one else has, which is which is not the case in the in the car business. Somebody's getting amazing feedback. I'm not who. You know who it is? It's Rob. It's Rob. Hey, Rob, are you with us? Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, I'm here. let me ask this question. We'll come back to you in a second, Heather, and I'll let you get, uh, let you answer that. But let me get Rob in on this. Um, two things, Rob. Arnold Tarina asked this question, and I'm going to give you both sides. Two people weighed in, two different opinions here, and to see where you can comment on it. Arnold said. Ask, he said, I want to know why many dealers have different online prices than the prices that are on the lot for the same cars. Don't you think the customer would think it's wrong? William Adams said on Twitter, I want to see where it says you can't charge a different price on the internet. This is news to me. I mean, want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if, if you look at what's going on, especially in the in Fort World, you know, where I come from in Nissan, you know, they're trying to put a covenant just like Toyota and Honda have where you can't advertise, you know, lower than 25% or you're going to lose your marketing money um, for that quarter or for that month. So what, what dealers are doing is because they don't have trained salespeople, they're putting a low, excuse, excuse my language, hoard out price on the Internet to get the customer in the door and caught up on price instead of having somebody there that can actually handle that customer talk to them, show them the value of the dealership, show them the value of them finance products. I think you should sell every finance product to the person. If, if you have finance products that you don't believe in that are on that back end of that deal, then obviously you need to relook at it because I know myself, I buy road hazard because if I get a nail on the tire, I don't want to pay to replace the tire. I want to go in no deductible and just have them fix my tire. You know, paint protected. I don't want my car looking bad, so I'm going to pay for that product. So you have to believe in your products to sell them ethically and talk about them to the customer, you know. So you should be able to make as much as you want on on the back end of of a car, in my opinion. And as far as you know, advertising these prices, all dealerships should have to advertise the price the same. And let's see who the real salesmen are who are going to handle the customer and 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 get the customer in the door. It, you know, it comes from we're only cannibalizing ourselves by offering $11,000 off here, $7,000 off here on an internet price, and then you have bring the customer in and go, oh, by the way, you're not active military, you weren't born on a Tuesday in a green shirt. That just doesn't work. <laughs> that, that doesn't set the precedent of the deal. It doesn't show you offering them any value. If I can go buy $11,000 off an Altima anywhere, why would I want to do business with you? And I think that's where the salesman are falling short on the ethics of making money on a deal. What are you providing that customer? Are you following up with them? Are you providing them birthday cards? Are you scheduling their service? All my customers call me to schedule service appointments. They don't call the service department. You know, I field them phone calls, whether I'm out with my family or whether I'm out to dinner, I field them phone calls and I get their service appointments 
set. So yeah, yeah, Rob is an extra mile kind of guy. I know him personally, but here's the thing, you know, and I, and I'm so thankful Rob brought this up because I was going to bring it to uh, the viewers' attention. But you know, I was going to ask about that when we price. There are dealers out there, Dave, who will price a car out assuming that you qualify for every single individual rebate like rob mentioned like for example i'm a college grad in the last six months i'm a military veteran i'm a this i'm a that i'm an encore customer because i bought another ultima last you know two years ago so they price this out assuming like rob said you know that uh you were born on uh but as long as one but as long but that's not we don't want to get into marketing but that's a marketing because as soon as 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 one person does it then what do you, then how do you compete in marketing yet yeah you exactly have to. but but let's ask rob what he uh, tweeted out the other day or commented on facebook rather the fact that you know we have furniture stores jewelry stores that have 300% markup so why is there's all this scrutiny on the car business when we have really the smallest margins i think our average profit on a $30,000 car is around 3% on the front end and that's unheard of in other businesses yeah, and and we'll go. Let's ask let's ask Scott first to weigh in on Rob's comment. Uh, just simply because and we, we'll go back to Scott for a second. Scott, Rob said that, and we'll let Rob qualify himself in a second. But I mean, in in in, a, in the pack piggyback, Scott on Dave, um, on what Dave said. It's not only is it scrutinizing the car business; it seems to come from within. Like I hear more scrutinizing coming from within than from without. Maybe I'm wrong, Scott. I must have zoned out because I, I couldn't really hear exactly what the conversation was. But let me let me just go back to the ethics part real quick because I had I had a situation back when I when I got in the business back in the '80s where a, la- a lady came in to buy a car. It wasn't my customer; it was one of the other guys. But she came in to buy a car, and when she came in, she just completely laid down. Six months later, she comes back and she wants to trade again. Now she paid cash for her first car. Six months later, maybe it was four months, it wasn't that long, she comes back in four months and trades out of her car that she bought four months ago, completely laid down again. Four months later, she comes back again, and everyone's saying, well, how much can we make on this lady this time? We made 12 pounds last time, let's go for 20, you know, because she was obviously had some mental issues because she actually came back, like, I think four times before, I think, management and the owner said hey man we got we got a serious problem with this lady we can't keep doing this to her so that is an ethical line that was crossed and you know hey there's but as far as ethics go there's there's probably not a lot of situations like that so you know again back to the whole thing on gross there's there's no problem there's no shying away from to make it the right way and I'm sorry that I kind of zoned out there on Dave's question, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to hear the whole thing. Well, I'll, I'll ask Heather that. And, and Dave was bringing up Rob's, que- Rob's question, Heather, and uh, also give you a chance, Heather, to, to comment on more of some of the uh, extra ways you can make money in, you know, through training and so forth as well. But Rob's comment uh, was basically why if, if there's jewelry stores and there's other industries that have 300 200% markup, why is the business so scrutinized? And I just wanted to add to it. Because when I read his comment, I immediately went to who's doing the scrutinizing. And it seems like a lot of it's coming from within. And I, and 
I mean, it I, is. It's not. It's not, not from coming from every single client. It's no. uh, if you're a salesperson and you're getting used to being challenged on price and making money and growth, then you're just being a victim of not being able to handle these situations correctly. Um, I'll have that conversation with anyone, any of my clients at any time, and and say, look, any other industry out there, if it's land, real estate, whatever, if you buy low and sell high and make a big profit on it, or you you streamline your process that makes you a lot more money, then you're a guru. You know, you're a thought leader in that industry. You're running conferences. You're teaching. You're you're trying to get other people on board for how to do it and all of those things. And in this business, you know, for the reputation that it used to have, the same reasons by you know, our friends and family don't are always as proud as their car salesman children as they are their physician children. It's just a perception. And if you start with somebody from the beginning and you're different and you're breaking that perception from the very first time you shake their hand to going on the test drive with them to walking them through the service department, not skipping any steps to sale, and you're a professional and you control the process the whole time, then you can ask for more money than the idiot across the street. I mean, it's just that simple. It's That's a state good. of mind, and it's uh, it's not a dirty word to make money. And, <clears throat> and people will respect you for it when you ask for it. Yeah, thank you, Heather. And, thank you know, you. Dave, I think an important thing to bring out also is the fact that, you know, one of the things that makes the auto industry so unique is that we can have um, – the same franchise you can own a chevy store down the street and Mm -hmm. i can own a chevy store down the street but yet we're pitted against one another which is interesting because you don't see that in other industries you don't Mm -hmm. go to walmart and then go to the other walmart and they go oh well we'll beat their price at the other walmart by 20 percent i mean you don't have that dynamic walmart owns them all (laughs) right 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 Uh, so they're individually owned franchises but yet you know the at the end of the day the manufacturer wins but um you know, that's a whole dynamic that I, that I wish you had time to get into. Yeah, too, yeah, right? it's just it changes everything. But anyway, let's do uh, some closing comments. We're wrapping up the show now, and we're out of time, unfortunately. But let's go back to Rob Tormino for some closing comments. Rob, all right. I, I think profit, you know, is not a dirty word. I think you need to ethically do it. I think, and and by that I mean you need to follow up with your customers, and you need to go that extra mile and take care of them, and be there for all their automotive needs, and. You know, I don't believe that you – I think you can take somebody out 96 months, 120 months, because you're not looking at what does it solve – what problem is it solving for the customer to replace one vehicle to the next. So if it solves a problem, you'll do anything in your life to get out of a big problem that you're in, correct? Mm-hmm. That's true. And so, who are we so to, who are we to deny somebody, the customer? Right. Who, who are we to deny the customers – that maybe their vehicle doesn't fit their needs anymore. Maybe they got a bigger family. Maybe they need to haul around more kids. Maybe they don't like the way the vehicle drives. Who is to say that I can't take them out 96 months, 120 months, and I believe in all my back-end products, my tire maintenance, my wheel, my oil changes. It's going to be all rolled into a payment where it's more cost-effective to them on a monthly basis than them have to come out of their pocket going, man, maybe I'll go another 3,000 miles because I can't afford that $40 oil change. But if I have a coupon, I can afford it because it's rolled into my payment. They sold it to me. Everything's there. It's all it's all bundled up in one great package. And mm-hmm. and the only thing I'd have to say is our industry is different. People pay 300% markup on furniture. It's a proven fact. And then they buy fabric care to protect that furniture. And then they finance it. Even if they have bad credit, Babcock will finance them 
for as many months, you know, 0% for, for the next three years or whatever, they'll finance them, and people spend too much money in them places, and that's that's perfectly ethical. You know, if somebody can go and buy ten twenty thousand dollars furniture, do they need ten twenty thousand dollars furniture? Probably not, but they can go and buy it. And 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 they saw our business doesn't have ethics because it grows. I don't believe it. I think it's all on what you portray as what are you solving for the customers' problems and what are you giving to the customer. Thank you very much, Rob, for coming on. And, and uh, Scott Klein, we'll give you uh, closing remarks. Hey, I just want to thank you guys for uh, bringing me on, number one. But uh, I would just like to say that, you know, gross isn't a bad word. It's, it's, it's part of this business. It's part of staying in business. And when you have opportunities to make gross, you have to make it. you got to make it ethically. you got to make it the right way. But when you have opportunities, you got to maximize and I believe uh, exactly what, what Dave said as well, that, you know, hey, if somebody is, if it's the only way that they can solve a problem is by taking their loan out to extended terms, 96 months or whatever, if that's what it takes, again, hey, they're the one making the decision. We're not holding a gun over their head. We're not going to threaten their life or anything like that, that they got to buy this car. At the end of the day, they're making the decision. They don't have to. And if... They need a vehicle for whatever reason it is, and the only way that they're going to be comfortable with it is going that extended term, assuming that we did everything that we can do in terms of trying to convince them that, hey, going 96 months really isn't the best option for you, but to your customer, hey, it all comes down to dollars and cents, and when they look at what they got going out every month, if that 96-month payment is less than the 72 months, then, hey, it's on them. It's not on us. Thank you, Scott Klein. Heather Allrad will give you, if you give us your closing remarks. The client, um, you know, look at your habits and decide, you know, do I have the cleanest deals? Am I taking shortcuts? And then when it comes to making that decision of trying to close that deal, before you run to your manager, you just need to decide two things. Do I have an emotional customer that wants to win and feels this is going to be the best thing emotionally and it's not logical? Or do I need to spend more time actually building value on the features and benefit of the car and the dealership and myself? Awesome. Guys, thank thank you so much. What a great discussion, great feedback. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, Dave, you. I want to go into, uh, guys, I want to go into a five-minute bonus round. We're going to take sure. some callers during this bonus round. 813-574-1820. And uh, 813-574-1820. While they're coming in, I think we already have a couple in the queue. Real quick, I want to ask you something because I want to sure. maybe, maybe they, uh, callers are going to have something to say, but why don't we talk about this a little bit because we kind of got into it. Um, the 300% markup, you know, it, I know we didn't go this way, but it almost seems like, you know, um, we, we attack commission a little bit. We attack the the, the 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 aggressiveness of salespeople and it's almost like some people would kind of want the business to go to a one price to a, to a to a to a situation where you know you know where there's no sure. need for salespeople well right here's here's my question for that um, here's my question my question would be if that happens don't you think because the buying process is emotional in the car business that 
it, they would sell cars because you'd all be on a level, level playing field. However, would you sell as many cars? Would you make as much money? The manufacturers, would they make as much money? Because my question would be, advertising by itself is not enough. You need the aggressiveness of the person that goes, hey, honey, let's go down to the dealership and just look at some cars today. But yeah. when they get there, the salesperson, because they're aggressive, because they want to make a commission and a paycheck, they, want, they, they force that market. Do you understand? That would go away, and that customer would literally go to the lot with their wife or their husband, and they'd leave. And I think the number of vehicles may go down. What do you think? Um, I don't know if the numbers would go down um, because you're still going to have buyers that have to buy. However, what I do, they what, I, what I do believe, well, you know in, in their minds, they have to buy. You know what I mean? They justify now? it by, uh, you might put it off a little bit. But the bigger question, Dave, and the bigger reality is the fact that this will never, ever, ever, ever occur. And the reason that it will never occur is because there's no used car factory. As long as people have trade-ins, mm -hmm. there will always be a negotiating point. <laughs> there will always be a negotiating point uh, on a new car. Um, you, you know, every dealer experiences this. Saturn, when Saturn, you know, came on the scene and they were the first manufacturer, really, to go, hey, this is it. You know, non-negotiable. We're going to audit our dealers. We're going to do it all, right? Well, I can tell you, I was behind the scenes in a Saturn dealership and when there was a trade involved you know we uh, tried to hold back on a trade but when you couldn't hold back on a trade yeah you would actually over allow on the trade which was a big no-no but you know it was hidden internally essentially you were discounting the new car to make it go away so right. there's always a negotiating point when it comes to uh trade-in so it'll it, it'll never go away are they all on together okay so we're going to bring some callers on i think we stacked them up a little bit we got what three or four callers on yes, sir. all right so who do we have on Introduces, Lou. Right, first, we have uh, Matt Keening. Matt, are you on? No, bring them on together. They're in. Okay, yep, so who, sure name the names, Lou. Lou, give me the names. We got Matt Keening. We got Keith Shutterly. We have William J. McCormick and Arnold Tiarina. Okay, we're going to give you guys a chance to comment here. We got about three minutes of bonus time left. We'll start with Matt Keening. Matt, you heard the nice. show, man. What do you think? I did, man. You know, I had a great discussion. Here's what I think. I think that um, we need to – everybody's talking about – whether or not gross is good. At the end of the day, every business has to make money in order to serve the customer well. But the argument to a consumer that there is a 300% markup on furniture and 3,000 on jewelry, it falls on deaf ears. Consumers don't give a crap. Here's what they care about. If I go home and I look it up online, am I going to regret it and feel like I got my, you know, got ripped off? If I go home and I look up my trade online, am I going to feel like you ripped me off? I don't think consumers would be so concerned if we would take the time, kind of like the live stream I was talking about earlier, to show them why their car's worth what it's worth and to show them why we feel it's a fair price for our car. You know, if the, if the customer's beating you up and they're beating up that invoice and wanting to know it, then years ago, Cardone showed us a very simple way to show the consumer exactly how we justify our prices. So I know we only had that three minutes, but I got to say, you know, I, I heard a lot of people going, you know, back in the 80s, this. None of that matters. It's 30 years later. So guess okay. what? And welcome to 2017. The customer has access to everything the dealer does, and they want an experience that's easy and feels very honest. And guys, throw the word transparency in the garbage. Transparent means see-through. So unless you're going to hang an invoice on the window, all the, the service bills, and then the amount of profit you're making, just quit saying transparent because it's just not real. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Um, we'll go to William McCormick. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing today? Doing wonderful, man. Doing wonderful. What do you think about the conversation? 
Uh, well, I'm I'm agreeing with most everybody on, on this thing, but you know we're taking different viewpoints on this. The one thing I I think it's important to keep in mind is we got to keep our buying cycle short because if we're pushing people out to 72 months or longer just because it's available, then is that really responsible on our end? Because how often are we going to see these customers back? That's good. Yeah, I appreciate that, Will, William. Uh, let's go to Keith Shutterly real quick. Keith, weigh in. Hey, this is my feeling on the whole thing. It goes right along with what Matt was saying, but it, my way of looking at it is this. The consumers have all this information. They come in and negotiate with more information than they ever had to come in and negotiate. Talk about ethical gross. If you know, you're in a negotiation, so I'm a little tired of, of people thinking that gross is bad or gross has some kind of limit. It has an ethical limit. Scott was given a great example of something times when it's not ethical. But the bottom line is you go home every day and you work a business to make money. We do for a profit. And eventually the consumer is going to put us out of business if we don't do it ethically. Other than that, I say go for the gold. Go for the, go for the highest you can get and treat your customer right at the same time. It's not impossible. They had some great comments on this thing, man. Just, just, let's just stop acting like we're not supposed to make money. And anybody thinks we're not supposed to, I work for Saturday, and I know that story. Hmm. And it was very hard. Right. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. There, is, there is one thing, though, that someone brought up earlier, and there is a line when it comes to something ethical, and that's, you know, that's something I wanted to tag on. Somebody had mentioned it, like, well, the online price is one thing and the price in the store. Okay, there's a yeah. difference between them, including every retail. But here's the deal. If you're going to use car price that's sold going online, you're advertising that. Now, that's your state laws. But then if someone comes in and you have that listed at 15 grand, I don't know what it's going to be in your state, but let's just take legalities out of it. If you're willing to sell that car and you're telling 36 million people online they can get it for 12 grand, and then some nice young couple or single mother comes in and maybe they're not car savvy and you start them at 15 grand, that makes you an asshole. So there are ethics involved. So I, when, when I hear people like uh, Scott Klein said, when you get the opportunity to make growth, you got to take it. You know what? What do you mean when you get the opportunity? Every time a customer walks in, you have the opportunity to make a sale, make a profit, and build a relationship for a lifelong customer. Make sure it did. Uh, let's go to Arnold. Arnold, <laughs> go ahead and uh, give us your input. Weigh in. <clears throat> well, I think Matt was reading my tweets. That's what I think. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm a longer that have one price on the Internet, and then when you walk into their lot, there's a different price. And I understand that consumers are are more informed than ever. But we also know that most consumers don't buy the car that they come in looking at, right? They see something online, they come in, and ultimately the majority of them buy something different. Now, whether they sit on the showroom you with their cell phone while they're on your lot or not, you know, they might. But the point is, is what Matt said, is that if you have the car online for twelve grand and and then you start the pencil at 15 because that's what's on the, the window of the car, whether it's a used car or a new car or whatever, you know, then I don't know what the word he said. You're, you're an asshole, right? right. I mean, it's, that's unethical. And, and in a lot of states, it's illegal. Yeah. But people still do it. 
You know, when I was an internet director, they had addendums on all the cars. I mean, you're talking about Hondas and Toyotas. Mm -hmm. and, and the dealer actually put those out uh, on the internet. And so every time you search for a new car, they were three, four grand higher in price. Right. And then, oh. and then all their competitors. We got to go. So, you know, I, I'm just. I, I know, I know, I know. I talk a lot. Come no, on, no, man. Just, we just, I just. But anyway, <laughs> no. Go ahead. So, so the, I. The, the 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 point is, is that you know you have to have it, it, it started an equal playing field. Okay. You know, if you want to lowball people online, then you know you need to have the same price on the live. And okay. if you don't want to do that, then price is the same everywhere. I don't care whether you sell it for ten grand over sticker. Or three grand under sticker. Okay. I believe that a dealer is is uh, entitled to make profit. Right. I'm just saying that you need to have Be an equal playing field. That's okay. all. Yeah. All right. Thank you, yeah. brother. Yeah. Thank I you appreciate it, Arnold. Arnold. Thank you very much. I think we have one more caller, a dealer that called in. We have William Adams on. William, you on? Yep, I'm here. Hey, man, we want to go ahead and get you in uh, really quick here, and uh, because I know you were in on the conversation, I believe yesterday or a couple of days ago on Facebook. Uh, so, what what do you what do you have to say about this entire conversation? And then we're going to end the show with you. Yeah. So, um, thanks for having me on. First of all, second of all, sorry that I'm a little stopped up. I'm dealing with southern snow here, pollen in South Carolina. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so you know, the biggest thing is is I love this conversation because as as a salesperson, I've I've oftentimes marketed um to sales managers and said hey look you can make gross on i sell toyotas I, I always said you can make gross on new toyotas it's all about the people the personality and the experience that they have and i think everybody would agree with that as far as taking advantage of anybody the consumer nowadays spends 19 hours on average researching the cars so i really don't think that you could take advantage of anybody per se 36 mm percent -hmm. of them buy because of a good deal 50 percent or a little bit higher buy because of availability hmm. ultimately if you walk into Publix and you want the buy one get one free soup and you don't have the coupon are they still going to give you the buy one free soup yeah yeah and then the same with Best Buy so if Best Buy has a circular and they got a 42 inch TV for five ninety nine, and then on the shelf it's eight ninety nine. if you don't have the circular ad are they still going to give it to you for five ninety nine? Hmm. so that's kind of my thing so I think that, you know, with the, with the price on the window, absolutely, I think that we should charge the price on the window. But as far as the price on the window mixed with the price online and it being a different price, if they don't have the coupon offline, why would we give them a coupon price? That's good. It's a great point. Good and point. That's, and, that's kind of my, and that's kind of my point to it. And then it goes back to making gross. Okay, well, is it, it shouldn't be, you know, against the rules to make gross. Like somebody said earlier, the furniture store has, what, 300% markup, mm -hmm. the jewelry store, the retail store. And like I said earlier, Kohl's isn't having a conversation about are we making too much gross. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Thank you very much, William. Man, we appreciate you weighing in um, all, all week on this, and thank you for calling in too, brother. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Great show. Thank you. Yeah, man. thank you. I want to just mention real quick um, because Herb Prantle, who is with the Rick Reichart Group, who's uh, he may I know something about gross. He, yeah, may know something about and gross. Volume. I believe they're their number one volume dealer in the country when it comes to used cars. But he said, you know, who whoever says that you can't have gross with volume is a fool. He also said earlier that the gross comes, which I'm a big believer in. The gross comes naturally, Dave, when you have 
a thought out process and you gr- create an experience and and you know just real quick you know we throw around that word a lot lately it's driving me crazy in the industry providing this amazing experience look your customers not looking to come to Disneyland what they're looking for is a good experience they want to come in they want to feel good about your store they want to make you know feel comfortable that they're paying the right money and they want to do it in a reasonable time frame you can do that with an amazing process and actually sell them and lead them and walk them through with value and wind up with gross as a natural byproduct. Absolutely, man. Hey, let us know what you thought of the show today. Thank you guys. All of our panels, all of our callers, all of our comments. Um, great dialogue. I think we did pretty good going only 15 minutes over. Um, hey, we ended about 433, but we had bonus time. And I think bonus yeah. time was needed because we had callers, man, calling us all Ooh. day trying to get through. So, hey, thank you guys so much. And um, look forward to gross part two. I don't think this discussion is over by far. And we have a lot of other things we can get into. And uh, stay tuned, man, for some great shows. The next up on Auto Dealer Live, we've got shared custody, market moguls, March Madness, quarterback. We're going to look back at the first quarter in April. Dealership squares, pull the plug. Those names are pretty cool. The shows behind them are even cooler. And the yeah, guests behind those shows are even cooler. Yes. Great show. Great show. All right. We'll see you next week here on Auto Dealer Live.